And bellying up to the nine-foot homemade oak bar, my name is Craig Toth, your host of Minor League News and Brews, talking about everything around the Pirates minor league system and giving you some beer reviews at the end of the show. Guys, pitchers and catchers have reported spring training is here, which basically means that minor league baseball season will be here as well. Doing some of my favorite stuff, which is previewing all of the Pirates minor league affiliates. We're going top to bottom this year, starting with the Indianapolis Indians, bringing back Jack McMullen from the Indianapolis Indians, also from Just Baseball Media, doing great stuff over there. I know you guys have like a, uh, I think it's like a new minor league type pod. Like, the, is it called the Call Up Pod? I believe it is. Yeah, the um, Call Up is is prospect related. It is, uh, it's awesome. And a couple of weeks ago, we did a Pirates Top Fifteen. My partner over there, Arm Layton, who is um, the founder of Just Baseball, is honest, the best prospect mind I've ever come across. And I think that guy does deeper dives than anybody. So, uh, highly recommend if you want the analytical dive into prospects, checking out the Call Up. Yeah, and you people. Some people may remember him. I think he did the Locked On uh, Prospect podcast for a little bit there, and then jumped yep. over and started the own his own thing with the Just Baseball Media. So, I mean, he's been doing this for a while, and it's somebody that I I definitely listen to. And I saw you guys put that out, and I'm like, oh, this is awesome. So, I mean, it's it's always good for us minor league junkies to have you know another outlet and more information to take in. For sure. Thanks for having me, man. I know we're getting uh, we're getting regional in the. Uh in the mugs, right? You've got your pirates mug and I'm staying in, I'm staying in the indie area with my ball state mug. <laughs> nice. Nice. Definitely. I, uh, yeah, I got to get, uh, that's the other thing is I got to get a mug for like each. I have a, I have the hats for each minor league team, but I think I got to get the coffee mugs because I mean, we're recording here early on like a Friday morning. So definitely got to fill up with that, but a ton to get into here um, with the Indianapolis Indians. Um, and before we jumped on here, we talked about the fact that, you know, the preview show is is always this like, you know, it's it's good to talk about this kind of stuff. Everything's usually like very, very positive, like hope springs eternal. Uh, but, you know, Ben Charrington and uh, Derek Shelton kind of put, I wouldn't say a damper on spring training a little bit, but there was some conversation. I'm just going to go straight to the elephant in the room here is that uh, the... I guess it would be the array of where Henry Davis could fall in to uh, the catching depth. And it could be, you know, down as far as Indianapolis. And not that that's like a, you know, ways away from the major leagues, but it's not something that us Pirates fans kind of came into this spring training expecting. You're not there. You got to take a flight and, and you got to take multiple flights. Did you know there was no direct from Indy to Pittsburgh? I had that, no that... idea. That feels crazy that there's no direct from Indianapolis to Pittsburgh, considering <laughs> how often the Indianapolis Indians and the Pittsburgh Pirates would be using that. But, um, they, yeah, there's no direct. So it, it is a drive away or it, it's a flight away. So I, it definitely is one of those things where you have this, you know, dashed line between the front two and the back two in that catching quartet that you've got now in, in Yaz, in Davis, in Jason DeLay and Ali Sanchez. We were just talking about this before we started recording. If if they did sign Yasmani Grandal to be the primary catcher, 
and Henry Davis showed well in right field and you love the cannon for the arm that he's gotten right. You know, this is the year that that Henry would have been catching with Andy Rodriguez out for the year. Like, why wouldn't you just make the full time move for Henry to, to move him into right field? And there he's got an opening day roster spot. He'll be the opening day right fielder surely. But if they still feel very strongly that he can be a catcher and a good one moving forward, I don't know. Correct. Like, I'm going to I'm going to put it on you. What do you think makes sense if Yaz is catching four out of six games a week? Do you want Davis up there playing right for two, DHing for two, and you know, like catching for two, or do you want him in AAA catching five days a week for the first month and a half, two months of the season? I mean, for me, I just the way that he was elevated throughout the system, and and along with those injuries that he had had. I mean, he was injured. A lot of people forget in his initial season when he was in Greensboro, was cut short with an oblique injury. Then he is in Altoona and is battling through like a, a broken wrist. I mean, he got hit on the, the wrist like a bunch of times, so he's battling through that. And then last year, um, with, you know, Andy being injured for a little bit of the season, and then it was always that plan for them to kind of catch, and then maybe, you know, Andy comes up, but then Henry's bat like kind of forced the issue yeah. And I didn't think developmentally, I mean, looking at it, I think I, I tabulated it. He's only caught like 79 games um, in the minor leagues in his professional career. And to like, when thinking about it, expecting, you know, is he, could he even catch 80 games of professional baseball and split the duties at the major leagues? I mean, that's a lot for a kid to handle. And I mean, I know he's a hard worker. I know he's been you know, bouncing back and forth between driveline and, and down in Bradenton and catching with Paul Skeens. But was that a realistic expectation for us? For me, if he ends up back in Indianapolis and is catching and they think that they want to push him towards that full-time catcher, I don't know if I can argue with that because we don't know what Andy's going to look like with an arm injury with, you know, different types of stuff when he comes back behind the plate next year. So you're answering like questions like the pirates right. are trying to answer questions of like the hypotheticals. So, I mean, I, I wouldn't, I, I would say I'd be disappointed because I want to see his bat develop at the major leagues. Yeah. But if they honestly believe he's a full-time catcher, I mean, Indianapolis five days a week catching the guys that we're going to be talking about who hopefully will one day be with him at the major leagues, developing yeah. that repertoire, then there could be positives to that as well. So I'm with you. I don't think it should be viewed as a failure whatsoever if this guy opens the season in Indianapolis. I, I think that that is the right, smart, calculated decision if you do believe that Henry Davis can be the full-time catcher of the future. Um, for him to be an Indy, like, that's great calculation on your end. 79 games. The guy was drafted in 2021. So like he's had three years and he's only caught 79 games in his professional career. I was excited to see the juggle between Henry and Andy in Indy together. <laughs> yeah. And it lasted three weeks. And it was a good juggle <laughs> over the course of three weeks. But it lasted three weeks. Um, and, and Henry was awesome. He had, what, an 1,100 OPS. He walked as often as he struck out. You're right. The bat forced their hand to get him up in some form or fashion. Um, I'm excited for what the finished version of Henry Davis looks like. I just have no idea where it is, to be totally honest. 
Yeah, and I have no idea with that as well. And and before we jumped on here, we we talked about the fact that Henry, you know, wasn't the only one that is kind of teetering on that line between the majors and you know and Indianapolis. Um, you look at a battle between you know Leover Pagaro and Nick Gonzalez. You look at the back end of the rotation with you know Quinn Priester, Luis Ortiz having options. You know Ronzi Contreras and Bailey Falter not having options. So you could see some of that talent that may be you know on the brink of being major league ready. You know down in Indianapolis, and once again not seeing that as a failure, but hopefully is seeing it as like having a decent amount of depth at each of those, you know, positions. A hundred percent. It feels like this year is the year of the understudy in Indianapolis, where it's not the prospect that is on the Ascension. It is the guy that has relinquished his prospect status and maybe even his rookie status that is next man up, right? It is, it is depth chart, bolstering stuff and and i love that you highlighted the the peggy and nick gonzalez thing because that's probably the most clear-cut thing but then you go to the assortment of bench bats okay you got four of those to play with is g1 bay one of them i don't know like is jared triolo one of them there are so many guys that we need the answer to like alika williams is he one of them there are guys that relinquished their rookie status or their prospect status last year at the end of the year. And there were so many rookies that got ample run for the pirates. Now that they have made additions via free agency and, and all that and via health, right? O'Neill Cruz is back. He's healthy. He's going to play shortstop. Now that's an opening that is gone. I, I almost just view this as, you know, a log jam, like a creation of a log jam that wasn't there last year. But now that everybody is, is entering with a blank slate in 2024, there becomes that log jam and you're going to see some pieces that are shoved to Indianapolis. Yeah. And there's even a piece of that possibly in right field with like a Joshua Palacios, um, yeah. Edward Oliveras, Connor Joe. Uh, there's, you know, there's only so many, you know, you don't, you don't want to have a fifth and a sixth outfielder. I mean, I know that Connor Joe can also play, you know, some first base as well. Joshua Palacios has shown that he can move around the outfield, but that's where I was kind of looking at the outfield for the Indians this year. And in previous seasons, it's been, you know, some of those, I wouldn't say like top, top prospects, but it's people in, in the top 30, at least where you had, you know, an outfield of, you know, Kanan Smith and Jigba, you had an outfield with Cal Mitchell, you had an outfield with Travis Swaggerty. And now looking at it this year, I mean, you bring in like a, a Celestino, a McKinney, um, and maybe like a, and possibly like a Matt Gorski or something, depending on, you know, where he's going to play and stuff like that. Right. But it's definitely a different look for the Indianapolis Indians than we've seen in previous years. A hundred percent. There, there are some other guys like, Joe Perez played a teensy bit of third base, I think, but he'll hop in a corner too and, and he'll DH. And then even a guy like Jace Bowen, who had a great Arizona Fall League and finished the year in double A. Um, you know, he, he probably slots in an Altoona, I would think, because it was only like a week or two in Altoona, but he was so good in the fall league. Maybe you think about jumping him a level. So in terms of the prospects on the up and up, I don't know if we're gonna get that in the outfield, but you know, like you're mentioning, hey, you'll probably grab one of the surplus at the major league level. So say that's G1 Bay for the sake of the exercise. Bay is going to play center in, in this assortment, right? Because you want center field depth. All right, he's going to play center. 
then you've got McKinney and Celestino flanking him, or you have Gorski in right. There's going to be almost like a volleyball rotation, the way I'm, I'm looking at it, where it's, you know, hey, you, you can play left one day, then right the next day, then DH, and then, and then you're out. Um, another guy that may clog up the DH spot, I'm not sure if he's ever going to hop into the outfield again, but Seth Beer, they signed to a minor league free agent deal, but he probably takes up that first base spot, which is, you know, kind of where you would, you would stick a, a McKinney, like that first base DH type role. Um, it'll be interesting to see how they juggle it in AAA. Yeah. Cause I mean, you even put like you, you mentioned Joe Perez and then you have Malcolm Nunez, hopefully healthy for this year. Yeah. And and it's creating like a decent amount of depth. It just it looks a little bit different and feels a little bit different than it has. Not in a bad way, but it just is, you know, I know that as people, Pirates fans, they don't look too much down below Indianapolis. They're not they, they look at Altoona a little bit if there's like somebody exciting, like, you know, a, a Solomito or somebody like that, uh Bubba Chandler, different players, but uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely going to be crazy to see how that kind of shakes out. And Joe Perez, I feel, is a guy that kind of like that signing like flew under the radar like ridiculously. And when he got picked up, I mean, I knew who he was, but a lot of people are saying like, you know, they're thinking he's like 28, 29 years old or something. And it's like, no, he's he's still extremely young. Yeah, they, Joe Perez and Ryan Valade, I think, fell into a very similar bucket for me where Valade uh Valade already had his big league debut under his belt in Colorado he comes here he's clearly you know big league depth turned out they never needed him he went from playing shortstop to I mean he was at third base for the first month of the year and then he was pretty much the everyday center fielder in Indy last year and he was a very fun watch in center field best of luck to him in, in Detroit now but you know, you would think that guy is 28 years old because he did have his big league debut under his belt. And and it felt like, oh, you know, he's just an org depth guy. No, he was 24 last year. And that, that's where Joe Perez falls in, too. This guy can swing it, man. I, he's got some serious pop. We saw him go, I want to say 430, 440 out to left center in one of the last games of the year. He uh, He can really bring the boom. I'm excited to see what he does. Because if the Pirates are starved for power, him and Gorski are really the two that jump out to me as like, okay, give it a go. You've got some dynamic aspect to their game, and they also provide a ton of juice. Yeah, and and, and good defense. Like that's the other piece yeah. right there. Is you know both good defenders and. I mean, with the uh, the pitching that uh, that we have, we have a lot of guys that they've brought in. I mean, not, I know this is a minor league podcast. That there's some guys that are like a little bit more pitch to contact and and different yeah. stuff like that. And and moving over to the pitching side, at some point in time, that Indianapolis Indians rotation could look like just downright filthy, depending on how stuff is moved up and down. I mean, we talked about the possibility of, you know, a Quinn being down there, a, a Luis Ortiz or something, but then you still have, you know, Jared Jones, you have Ashcraft, you have uh, Jackson Wolf, you have uh, eventually possibly a Skeens, a Solomito, a, a Chandler, like, Indianapolis is going to be like the place for pitching this year, like, like none other. It, and that is exciting to me. I'm very excited as somebody that grew up a pitching dork and still is a pitching dork. I'm going to be in hog <laughs> heaven all year long, man. It th There's nothing more pleasing to an announcer than a well pitched 
game from a starting pitcher. And when you have, you know, like a, a starting pitching duel and it turns into a, a two, one game in, in two hours and 25 minutes, that is like the best thing because there's a rhythm <laughs> to that game. And um, yeah, it's nice. Cause I can go to bed a little bit earlier, but uh, it's also nice because you get to get into a rhythm. Right. And, and all those guys that you named, there's really minimal command concerns from most at this point. Like I know command got away from Quinn at some points last year and, and Jared Jones command got away at, at some points, but those guys already have at least half a season of AAA under their belt. And you really saw them iron that out on a pitch by pitch basis. So it, the way that I kind of view AAA and I feel like we talked about this last year is like, I almost view it as finishing school. You have one more thing to do before you get to, the big leagues. And for some of these guys, it's command of the strike zone. And, you know, it, it feels like they are, they are attacking that for Jared. It really felt like it was pitch mix. It was mixing everything together because in a vacuum, the fastball was electric and the slider was elite and the changeup was, you know, was good, but you never really saw all those mesh together for a Mike Burrows, for example, who you can add into that fold probably around the all-star break. Um, Burroughs, you know, it was all about the changeup when he when he got to AAA, and you saw by the end of his AAA tenure in 2022 that that changeup looked big league ready again. So, um, yeah, I'm really excited to see what this assortment could look like. And I was trying to do the the math problem at the major league level. It's like, okay, Keller's the opening day star. You've got Marco and Martin Perez. You just pay you, you're paying both of them. They're going to be up there. And then you mentioned falters out of options, rows out of options. That leaves an assortment of Luis Ortiz, Quinn Priester, Jackson Wolf, Jared Jones, Paul Ski. Like it is, it's crazy. <laughs> I just named five and I can keep going with like a Sean Sullivan or a Short Ridge or a Mize. Like there are so many guys that can start games in Indianapolis. Yeah, and you've brought in some of the uh, the NRI guys, some some possible minor league contracts. Uh, I think it was like Fleming that we just brought in, Josh Fleming, who is yep. on like one of those split major minor league deals. Uh, so there's just, I mean, I think they're realizing, and I, I think they have had started that process last year, is arms, arms, arms. Like you can never have enough arms. And it's just like, we're just going to bring in everybody. And yeah. there is a lot of talent there. And the thing you mentioned, I, I go with Jones because Jones is a guy I kind of focused on a lot towards the end of last year. And it's that thing of AAA. A lot of people like know this but don't really understand it is like the days where you're pitching where you have the ABS system and the days where you're pitching when you have the regular umpire. Mm -hmm. And it has to be a little bit tough for those guys to a degree um, just because – you're throwing something that you're, you know, you think you threw it well, you think it's going to be a strike and then it's not. And you're looking for the umpire. To me, that would just be a very confusing you know, type of situation to be in. But then also working in, you know, a change up. He, he throws a curveball, throws a slider, throws the fastball. He's working on all kinds of stuff. And he's a young kid. I, I, people are saying put him on the opening day roster. And I'm still thinking when you say that finishing, I'm like, I think there just might still be just a little bit of polishing, you know, for Jared Jones. Yeah, there could be. Um, now, full transparency, I thought he was big league ready at the end of last year. He he had a two-start stretch in early to mid-September where I think it was 13 innings, five hits, no runs, 
12 punch outs and one walk or two walks. Like he cruised through seven and then he cruised through six. And one of those starts was on the road. I don't remember whether they were on the full ABS, which are Tuesday through Thursday or on the challenge system, which is Friday through Sunday. But what I will say is I don't like the, the full ABS system from Tuesday through Thursday because there is no zone malleability. There is no changing of the strike zone depending on what the pitcher is doing. And I think that is one of the most important parts of umpiring where, you know, like, Yes, accuracy is is really important, but I'd say consistency is is somehow more important than accuracy, or at least a blend of consistency and, and accuracy is what home plate umpires should pride themselves on. And with the ABS system, with the full ABS, we just had Justin Henry Malloy of, of the Tigers on the call-up, who's one of their top prospects, and he led minor league baseball in walks. And he said, I, I know what each pitch is. I see a pitch upstairs. I know that that's going to be a ball Tuesday through Thursday. And it doesn't matter whether it's a high spin four seam guy or a sinker guy, that pitch that is just below letter high, that's going to be a ball. I know that for a pitcher that has to be incredibly frustrating because if you are a high spin fastball guy like Jared Jones is, and he thrives at the top of the zone getting whiffs. Okay. You throw it for, for the YouTube crowd or whatever it is. Um, <laughs> If you throw it here and it clips the zone, it's a strike. But if you throw it a millimeter above that, there's no give. It, it's a ball because it doesn't clip the strike zone at all. And I don't like that there's no give and there's no malleability to that strike zone. Yeah, and that's what I mean. And number one, that's why I, I talk to you guys because you guys are watching it every day and seeing more of like, you know, of Jared Jones and getting to, to see that stuff work out. And and I am a person that I'm, I'm more a challenge system person. I think there needs to be some, you know, accountability to that, sure. but the full ABS just kind of like, I don't know, that just kind of scares me a little bit. I'm, I mean, everybody that's watching this on YouTube can see I'm an, a little bit of an older guy here was a catcher growing up. And, and I like that, you know, if a guy's hitting his spot and he's hitting that consistently, but it's just a little bit outside the zone. I would like to see him, the umpire, give him that pitch. Cause it's like, he's putting it exactly where he wants to put it and give the guy, cause pitching is so difficult. Give him like the, the little bit of, you know, push that it's like, yeah, we'll give that to you because you are doing exactly what you were trying to do. Yeah. Bingo. Yeah, it's definitely a, a thing. But here's the the more exciting part is, I mean, you already kind of answered one of these. Is 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 next on our list was, you know, the next man up, and and you saying that Jared Jones is, is MLB ready, so he is kind of in that, you know, top tier category of next man up. Is there anybody you know other than Jones that you would see um, as being somebody you know position player or you know pitcher that that could get that call up? Yeah, I mean. I think it's going to be a recall. It's not going to be a, a purchase the contract of, um, you know, like Nick Gonzalez is, is too good to be in AAA, And, and I stand by that. So if, if Leo Piguero wins that second base job, like why would you not entertain moving Gonzalez onto greener pastures where he can play every day at the major league level for, for assistance? Like, because I think, you're making a statement there if Nick is left off the opening day roster that, you know, he may not factor into the 2026 opening day lineup because 
he is running the same race that that Peggy is, right? Where they're both, you know, entering their second year of, of pre-arb. They're going to enter arbitration at the same time. They are on the same clock service time-wise. Um, he is way too good to be in AAA. And, and this guy... He changed over the course of the year where he was very pull happy. He was he was whiffing a little bit in the front, you know, month of the season. After that, I mean, this guy was blistering balls the other way so consistently. Like right center was his happy place. And it was a ton of fun to watch. He's shown defensive versatility. He can play a really good second base. His arm is a lot stronger than I think a lot of outlets will give him credit for. He survived it short. I think he can play a decent third base at the major league level. Um, I, I view him and Triolo in a very similar bucket where they are just too good for minor league baseball. Yeah, and it's it's like there's nothing left for them to, to prove at that level. I mean, they mentioned like a G1 Bay. They mentioned, you know, Triolo, all those guys. But like we said, there's only, you know, 26 spots on, you know, that opening day roster. There's so many position spots, so many pitchers. And going to, you know, who we could see in uh, in Indianapolis this year, once again, you already mentioned somebody who, you know, was in Altoona. So I always look to see, like, who those next guys could be. Obviously, last year, Jared Jones got a call up earlier than, you know, a lot of people expected to Indianapolis. Some of that is is built upon injuries, performance, whatever it may be. Who are some guys from Altoona that you're looking to see get there, you know, maybe a little bit leg stretched in uh, Indianapolis or a cup of coffee or, or different stuff like that. Who's some guys in Altoona that you are uh, eyeing? I'm hoping to see any of the three pitchers that I'm super excited about, which are Bubba, Solomito, and Thomas Harrington. I think Harrington could fly. That fastball is like rocket ship type stuff. Um, I have no idea whether it's going to work out like that, but – any of those three would be awesome. I will say on the position player front, uh, Bowen is somebody that I'd be really excited for. Jace Bowen, when he led Pirates minor leaguers and homers last year in 23. And he is, he's the class, he's almost like Gorski, but a little bit younger and a couple steps behind in the minor league ladder, where it's a bunch of homers, bunch of stolen bases, defensive versatility. There's some whiff concern, but you can get over that if this guy's putting up 25 25 seasons. So, I'm excited about Bowen. Um, Sung Che Chang is another guy that I, I'm really excited about. I think could really benefit from the ABS system that we've got in AAA um, because this guy was running a, a walk rate right around 10%, I want to say, in Altoona. I, I think based on how pitchers at the AAA level kind of work the corners compared to Altoona where it's, hey, here's 97, it's going to be right down the pipe try and beat me. Um, I think that he can maneuver the strike zone really well at the AAA level. So in terms of hitters, I'd say Chang and Bowen and then any of those, any of those big time arms, man, I'm I'm (laughs) licking my lips for, I want them bad. Yeah. And here's the crazy part is you, you mentioned Harrington and, and I can't remember what podcast, I think I was on the four, one, two double play podcast with, with Michael Castriano yeah, And he's like, who's your favorite pitching prospect? And I said, there's so many to choose from. But for me, Thomas Harrington, and it's his pitch mix. It's, you know, he's already got good command of of the pitches that he does throw. And I don't know, any kid that can basically walk on someplace and then become the best pitcher like in that league with, you know, yeah. a Campbell, 
it, the sky's the limit for a kid like that. And I just kind of get right. excited about that kind of stuff. It's the Baker Mayfield thing. It's like that guy <laughs> just showed up to Oklahoma as a regular student and then he wins the Heisman Trophy and he goes 1-1. And, and you know, clearly <laughs> it's it's different levels because Harrington was not the number one overall pick after being a walk-on. I will say Campbell's kind of a power man and they produced Zach Neto in recent years. And yeah. um, yeah, Matthew Barefoot was another guy that was a legit pro prospect. I think he's making his way up a system. I'm blanking on which system he's in, though. Campbell is one of the better mid-major or low-major programs in the country. So for, for a guy to do that at, at a place that is the class of their conference is, is really impressive. The fastball, the fastball profile, and, and I'll plug just baseball.com because Arm did a great write-up on Harrington. He's right behind Jungsuk Shim, who I'm super excited about, too. I hope that guy makes it off the complex this year because pitch by pitch, he might be one of the grossest guys in the minor leagues. But um, Harrington, it's like, okay, it's 92 to 94, but the fastball characteristics, the way that it gets swings and misses up in the zone, there are very few people that release it as low as he does and get the carry that he does. And and that is a recipe to punch outs with the fastball. And if you can get swings and misses on your fastball, you're cooking with gas. Yeah. And you mentioned Shim. Um, I had seen him when I was down at Pirate City last year. And the one thing that really kind of shocked me was his size. He's, he's huge. A, he's a big stinking dude. Like he came walking past and I was like, Oh my God, like you, you see the stuff like, you know, you'll read, okay, he's this tall, he's this big or whatever. And you're like thinking to yourself, is he really? And like, it was like, it was like him and Quinn next to each other. And I'm just like, those are two big dudes. Like they're huge. And then you had Skeens into the mix and my God, there's big guys all around, big young guys all around. And then you put Jared Jones right next to him and it's like, wait, you're a (laughs) professional baseball player. (laughs) Yeah. It's definitely kind of crazy here, man. And before we get out of here, I'm looking for maybe one breakout guy on the pitching side, one breakout guy um, from the position side. I mean, as always here, everybody knows it's 30 minutes a box, but when we get together talking prospects, it goes a little bit over that. Got to do a beer review here, but I definitely want to get, you know, one breakout guy, um, pitcher and a position player. Yeah, um, indie exclusive, like a guy that's really going to show out in Indianapolis? Absolutely. Okay, um, I'll start with the pitcher first because I think it's a slam dunk. If if Kyle Nicholas gets pinched out of the big league bullpen with the addition of a Fleming and with the addition of an Araldis Chapman, you're going to see a full season or at least half a season because I think he'll be too good to ignore, a la Majinski. Um, I think you'll see a half season of Kyle Nicholas closing games in Indianapolis, and you are going to have your jaw on the floor with how good that guy can be as a closer. We only saw it for a month before he got his call up, but man, 96, 97 ticked up to 99, a hundred. And that slider went from 89 to 92 and nobody could touch him. He was bigger, stronger, better than everybody else that he saw in one inning spurt. So I do think that, you can see a high leverage reliever develop and blossom in, in Kyle Nicholas. And then hitter wise, it's a good one because I, I, again, we've talked about it for the last half hour. There's like this backlog. So you assume that there are going to be a lot of minor league free agents and a lot of, you know, backlog guys. Um, I will say Chang, I, I think we're going to see a good bit of Sung Che Chang. And I, I think that that guy will put himself on the radar as somebody that should factor into the pirates future because 
Pirates fans will close their eyes and look down the road in two, three years. And you're probably not factoring Chang in at all. And I, I think this is the year where we decide you should. That's, that's awesome, man. And the thing I just want to go to just when you sang with like a Majinski and a, and a Nicholas, like two guys that were, you know, pretty decent starters, but were asked to, you know, and decided to go to the, and the mentality and they are just like, they're animals. They're like, we will, like, they're going to get these guys out and it's like, we're going to make it to the major leagues and the, this, the leaps and bounds we saw with Majinski last year. And then, like you said, Nicholas, I mean, it's, it's exciting. And for, you know, a team that doesn't have as many starters right now, the, the real, uh, they could get into that Avenue and, and get up there, you know, quicker in that bullpen role and can dominate. I, I'm definitely excited, man. hundred percent. Yeah. And, and for anybody that doesn't, uh, please go follow, you know, Jack McMullen, uh, and follow the Indianapolis Indians follow just baseball media. I mean, the stuff that I told him before jumping on here, I'm, I'm like, you don't have to plug yourself. I am going to plug you. Cause the stuff that you guys are doing over there is just, just great stuff. And, and the new stuff that is coming out, uh, Jack, man, baseball season's almost here. Go Indians. I can't wait for it, brother. When I get the DM from you, man, I know it's time to go. And and I'll be ready to rock. <laughs> this is awesome. Absolutely, man. Can't can't wait to do this again during the season sometime. Love it. A pitcher, a beer, a pitcher. It was time for the Super Bowl, and I, I asked my wife. I, I guess I, I used—I always say I send my wife to the beer store, but she's usually going to pick something out for herself because she's maybe a little bit pickier than I am, and and her her mind may change from the time she leaves until she gets there. And and she did find herself something. It was, I think it was called. I think it was a little a little crazy. Uh, a Sam Adams beer. It's a, a lighter hazy. Um, I probably wouldn't have got her that. So good thing she went. She got me a Founders four pack. I love Founders. One of my favorite uh, beers to drink. Uh, the Founders All Day IPA. I had reviewed it on this show before. Um, all of those packs are all below five percent. Very low. Very light. Very refreshing. When we did this before, I did the All Day IPA, the All Day Haze IPA the all-day West Coast IPA, and the all-day Crimson Sky. All of those kind of fit in that 375 to 400 Woba range, uh, with the highest being, you know, my favorite, the all-day IPA. This one had two new ones in it that I hadn't had before. The first one is the all-day chill IPA, an American IPA coming in at 4.8%. This one was right up there with the all-day IPA. Give this one a 450, knock it down to 400. The second one, the all-night IPA, a black IPA, coming in at 4.7%. Like I said, all of these, even though it's a black you know, IPA that are usually a little bit higher in the ABV, nope, this one fell right in the founder's range. I don't know how they get all that flavor into such a light beer. Give this one a 425, knock it down to 375. And I'm going to kind of have to go to the beer distributor for myself next time because 
with the Super Bowl happening, with a bunch of other stuff and parties happening here, New Year's and everything, the beer fridge is getting a little bit light. So I'm going to be over at Creekside Beer here at some point in time. But the one thing I'm going to be doing is I'm going to be getting exciting for minor league baseball. Haven't got to say this in a while. Let's go Indians. Let's go Curve. Let's go Hoppers. Let's go Marauders. Man, minor league baseball season, spring training. Super excited. And I'll catch you guys next week. <laughs>